Hello, you're listening to CJSR 88.5 FM. I'm Omar Salafu. You might have heard the Generator intro music, but this is not Generator. You're actually listening to the 2019 UASU presidential debate between Akanksha Bhatnagar and Andre Bourgeois, your two students' union presidential campaign, uh, sorry, presidential uh, uh, candidates. Um, so I'm Omar Salafu. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Gateway. The Gateway is a student publication here on campus. We publish daily content on our website, gtwy.ca, and a monthly magazine during the academic year. So right now on the University of Alberta campus, you might have noticed posters all around. The SU election is happening. So 30,000 undergraduate students get a chance to vote for the representatives. Very important decision-making is going to be happening with these people who get elected. So stay tuned if you're an undergraduate student. If you're a community member, these positions are still really important because they dictate the lives of countless people who cross through the path of this university. So before we start with opening remarks by each candidate, please remember if you're an undergraduate student, voting opens up on March 6th and 7th. So that's this Wednesday and Thursday. So if you're listening to this and you're an undergraduate student again at the U of A, you can vote and you can vote online. Um, and if you want any more details about each of the candidates' platforms after the debate while we're talking, you can visit their respective websites at voteakanksha.com and andreforpresident.ca. So how this is going to work is that we're going to go through different sections. So starting with three-minute opening statements from each candidate, then we're going to have a few questions from the gateway, two minutes for each candidate to answer, then we're going to go into candidates asking each other questions. So we're going to have a little bit of a back and forth, more of, a, more of a debate between each other. And then we're going to open it up to audience questions. So if you want to ask an audience question, you can go to our Facebook page at The Gateway. The very top post is a post about this radio debate. Just comment in that comment section and then you'll be able to get your question asked on air. So with that said, I'd like to welcome the candidates here. Both of you can just talk into the mics, give a little hello. Hello. Okay, perfect. So we'll start with Akanksha, if you want to give us your three-minute opening statement. And I'll just let you know when you're down to 10 seconds. Cool. Uh, so hello, everyone listening. Uh, my name's Akanksha. I'm running to be your next Students' Union president. So I've spent a couple years on campus, uh, whether it be getting involved with my faculty association, getting involved with the Students' Union, and uh, overall, I'm in my third year working at the Students' Union as the vice president academic this year. So. Um, a lot of my experiences on campus have been pretty rewarding, but a lot of them have also have, a, have had a lot of challenges associated. So as a student and as the vice president academic, I watched the students told me that they really don't have choices when it comes to buying textbooks and they're having to choose between whether or not to buy a textbook for their course or whether or not to buy food for dinner. Um, so I know how scary things like that can be, especially when it comes to trying to also find degree relevant work experience. So students are often so worried about uh, when you graduate you need to go into the workforce, apply for jobs that expect you to have like years and years of experience under your belt, but there's nothing on campus right now or enough resources on campus right now that really allow students to get involved in a, in a way that'll help um, bring them degree relevant experiences. And I've also watched pretty firsthand how our university administration and our governments have been uh, ignoring rights of students. And so as president, some of my goals just revolve around making sure that we have access to more affordable and relevant degree uh, academic materials, making sure that we can all find jobs that somehow complement our degrees and make us ready for the workforce going forward, and that we complete something called a Charter of Student Rights. And so right now there isn't a place where students can go and find a document that outlines all their
their rights on campus as students, whether it be tenant rights, residence issues, um, things that relate to, relate to your academic concerns. And so completing a charter will consolidate all of those uh, concerns into one document. And so with my experiences at the Students' Union, involved in my faculty association, my department association, um, I think that my presidency will bring pretty bold, reliable, and very experienced advocacy to our Students' Union. And like Umar was saying, you get to vote on March 6th and 7th, so I hope you cast your ballot. Perfect. So we'll go with Andre next. Awesome. Uh, yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, my name is Andre and I'm running for Student Union President. Um, I've been involved on campus now for about six years. I study sociology and I got involved with the Student Union my first year just as a volunteer and then I eventually spent a couple years working with the Student Union. Um, but obviously in Alberta and, and Canada we're in an election year so I want to spend the, the next little bit uh, focusing on really the main three priorities that I think that the Student Union really needs to to government this year. It's something that I haven't talked about a lot this election yet. And uh, I think the first thing that really this student's union needs to think about bringing to government is uh, how to create affordability in education. And what that looks like is making the value proposition to a potential government, whoever that might be, making sure that they know that the more people who go to school, the more people who are going to stay in Alberta or in Canada per, to pursue high-paying, high-quality jobs. Um, limiting international student tuition is another part of that because if international students are so saddled with debt that they can uh, afford to go on, uh, we need to make sure that we're creating the same kinds of changes that were guaranteed for domestic students for international students, guaranteeing that international students receive their tuition at a rate that is tied to the consumer price index rather than the academic price index, which is kind of the university's just imaginary made-up figure that they, they tie tuition to to balance their budget. But um, another way that I really want to influence government, because eventually the uh, government decides how much money the students' union the, or the university is going to receive and I think that by helping the university identify and work on their own internal inefficiencies, the government will be more likely to, to give more money back to the university to pursue the things that students care about most. Uh, the, the amount of money that the university is invested in their own internal departments and in their highest level of governance and their presidents, their vice presidents, has far exceeded the amount of money that's gone towards our own quality of education, our own quality instruction. I want to change that. I want to help you know challenge the university. Why are they spending this money. Um, another thing I really want to bring to university is student or to the government is student employment. And there's a really cool thing in Quebec called the Quebec Workforce Employment Program. And what that does is it forces large uh, employers within the province to actually invest 1% of their gross profits every single year back into hiring students, giving them jobs and creating the kinds of work integrated learning opportunities that we want to see. Uh, so this is something I want to bring to the provincial advocacy table and on SU, uh, it means that we can also participate in this, creating more jobs that lead students to, uh, to student co-op positions here. So now we're going to move into uh, a few questions. I based most of these questions off of your platform, and then we'll have a few other questions at the end, kind of talking on the uh, points that you mentioned in the campaign trail. But um, so, Andre, in your platform, you say that you want to hold the university accountable to their commitments to improving student life. Um, and Akanksha, in your platform, you mentioned that you want to look into sustainable future for students by implementing more cultural wellness services um, to diversify our current campus mental wellness strategy, strategy sorry, um, 
and kind of both these platform points touch on challenging the university's current approach to mental health. Um, yet, during this year, during both of your terms as executives, um, when, the when the university was recently exposed for evicting a student after they attempted suicide, you both stood with the SU executive in silence and did not criticize the university or attempt to challenge the university's terrible decision. Why should students trust that you'll act differently as president to enact your platform points and challenge the university's approach to mental health services? Um, we'll start with Akanksha. Uh, yeah, so thank you very much for like bringing up a topic that I think I've mentioned many times before. And I think it is the fault of the current SU executive that we didn't make a stance or we didn't talk about the issues when the issue of a student who was evicted in 2016, because we know that wasn't the last letter, but as of as an executive team, you have to follow, um, I guess, what the majority of your executive team is saying. So when you are getting feedback from your VP student life, from your president, that it wasn't this dean of students, or it was an, it was a different dean of students, or it wasn't this university administration, that like those conversations, as much as you can try to push back, at some point the conversations became unproductive. And I think going forward, like we protest things, we protest the tuition hikes last year, we protest the meal plan last year, we protested when students felt like their uh, rent was being increased and that wasn't fair to them and this was an issue that we stayed silent on and I think it's important that we recognize that that was a huge flaw of our year and going forward I think students on this campus regardless of if the SU executive made a statement or not students have made a statement and so on March 13th we see that there's going to be a rally for students who uh, support this sort of movement or they want to do a solidarity movement I think it's important that we as the SU executive are not only at that event attending but empowering those students to continue to encourage to make their own power when there is that and I think going forward as president like it is important that a president is setting the direction of things that you're promising and that you're setting the strategic direction of a team but at some point um, as a vice president you only have so much power when you're listening to the president and the VP student life telling you that it was it wasn't this dean of students it wasn't our problem this year we should just wait 10 seconds Um, great, yeah. So actually, I think that my opponent's a little incorrect. I did not actually stay silent. I was interviewed by uh, Radio Canada, and I appeared on national radio talking about this and condemning the action that the university did take in the past. Um, and then I was interviewed on radio or on video for a video uh, interview that was never aired by uh, CBC and I did post on January 29th quite a long uh, condemnation of the university so I think that silence is uh, not actually what happened um, certainly when things like this do happen it's important that the president also is gonna recognize that when situations like this happen when students are evicted and when tenants rights are at stake there are also legal ramifications that uh, get wrapped up in there and we have to respect that if the student in that situation doesn't want uh, the you know the university coming out or the students union coming out and making a strong statement or if it's being dealt with in the courts or in the the system then it's not the place of the student union to step on the toes of that process and to actually respect the process. So I don't think that we were silent. Moving forward, though, I think that it's really important that the student union is working both with 
and against the university, challenging them for the things that they're doing uh, wrong and celebrating the things that they're doing right, because certainly there are thousands of people on campus who are working actively to address the problems on our campus. And we need to celebrate those achievements, the people in the office of the Dean of Students who are doing a great job, the student leaders who work for the university in residence every day to support student mental health. Those are the things we should celebrate for sure. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. So we've mentioned a few times about challenging the university. So this question will kind of go along those same veins. So Kengshin, you mentioned in your platform that part of improving the student experience on campus involves completing the student charter of rights. Andre, you mentioned the exact same thing in your platform. Defending student rights is important and uh, completing the student charter of rights uh, will further improve that on campus. As executives, you both understand how easy it is for the university administration to completely ignore student rights, even when the SU publicly decries such abuses of rights. For example, when the university ignored student protests in March 2018 and still implemented an increase in international student tuition. Once the student charter of rights is is completed in your next term, and once it's implemented as well, um, how will you as Students Union President enforce this document and its demands to the university administration to prevent further abuses of student rights on campus? We'll start with Andre. Awesome. Um, So I think that there's a few things that need to happen. So I was in touch with McGill University because they're the only uh, top five university in Canada with an existing student charter of rights. And uh, once you get that document approved, it it needs to go through the students union. It needs to have student input. It needs to have administration input. And once you get that document approved, it should both supersede the student code of behavior that exists primarily to protect the university um, rather than the interests of the students. So a student charter of rights is kind of a a balancing of the scales, so to speak. So it provides students with more uh, uh, understanding about where their rights are guaranteed on campus and also a second avenue to pursue appeals or complaints that aren't adequately dealt with under the student code of behavior. Now, importantly, that means that the existence of a student charter of rights and the people who enforce that document should be functionally distinct from the people that enforce the student code of behavior being the office of the Dean of Students. So what they've done at McGill is they've actually localized it under their office of the Senate. Now, I don't know what model is best at the University of Alberta. I assume that it would fall under some sort of jurisdiction of uh, the Senate. But what that does is it allows students to appeal a decision made by the Dean of Students at a higher body and at a body that supersedes the uh, the code. And the, the things that we're seeing in the code right now are appeals that are uh, forcing victims of sexual violence to retestify. Those are the kinds of things we want to eliminate. Those are the things that the Charter of Rights is uh, seeking to achieve. So thank you. And uh, Kengsha? Um, So I think going forward, once a charter of student rights is completed through the governance process, it's going to have an approval both from uh, most committees of General Faculties Council, the General Faculties Council, and ultimately the Board of Governors. So these are all places where not only the president, but the students union executives sit on, uh, whether it be the VP academic or other portfolios. But I think going forward, like we have to ensure that when these rights are being um, like completed or when the charter is being completed, that not only do we have a way for the university to be held accountable, 
but a way for students to be able to find a document. Like so often uh, we see at McGill, at Ryerson, and at Brock University that they're creating these documents. And I think the challenges that they've really faced is like, how can we get students who really need the document to know where it is when they need it most? Um, and so going forward, we're going to have to figure out a way that we can educate students on this, not through your generic marketing campaign or through your generic like education of students through social media. I think it's going to take a more hands-on groundwork sort of approach to make sure that we're truly touching 30,000 students so that when they have to use this document that they can and going forward the bodies that are going to be held most accountable in my mind are office like the ombud so they protect student rights in the sense of they'll go with you to appeals process they'll walk you through the the policy documents because right now the processes that will outline in the charter are still not going to be easily identifiable by students so if a right in the charter of student rights is broken for example a professor um, doesn't allow you to take a final exam for some whatever reason that may be there's no procedural process like here's the first person you go to here's the second person you go to here's how you can appeal that and I think when this is approved through general faculties council and when this is approved through the board of governors that the general faculties council university appeals board is going to be able to take those kind of projects on Okay, great. Thank you so much. So if you're just tuning in now, you're listening to CJSR 88.5 FM. We're doing the University of Alberta uh, Presidential Students' Union debate. Um, we have our two candidates here answering questions from us. And if you're interested in submitting a question, we'll be doing those at the end. You can post them on our Facebook page. It's just the gateway. Um, and we'll continue on with questions. Now moving on to specific candidate uh, questions. So for specifically you, Andre, um, you mentioned in your platform that you want to increase the value and affordability of tuition. Um, you say you want to challenge the university's bloated administrative spending as well. Um, how will you challenge those things um, within the university administration um, with two undergraduate student board positions on the board of governors for the university and a history of the U of A ignoring student concerns? Awesome. Um, yeah, so I think that there's a few angles that we can take on this. First, I think it's important to recognize that we do have a relatively new administration at the University of Alberta. Uh, David Turpin has not even completed his first term. And the Council of Post-Secondary Presidents of Alberta has recently released a, uh, a position paper that essentially demands three things from the government. But in order to get those things from the government, I think that the government is going to tell them to turn around and look in the mirror and be better, uh, to spend their money more efficiently, to be more fiscally conservative and responsible. Um, but that's not what we need at the university. What we need is more money from government. Certainly, we need the, uh, the university to spend more efficiently. What that looks like in residence, for example, you have a duplication of resources where you have floor coordinators being paid and you have a residence assistant being paid. Those positions, once created, created are very hard to take away. It's hard to uh, de-unionize somebody. It's hard to remove somebody from a union employee. So what I'm going to advocate for is a hiring freeze at the university so that they can't continue to bloat. They can't continue to get beyond uh, their britches. And I think that they know that they have a problem because when they look every year at their pocketbooks, they're like, wow, uh, we're limited in the amount of areas that we can raise money from students. We have to figure something out. And I think they're going to be willing to work with us on that. What are the things that students care least about? What are the things that they get the least amount of value out of? Those are the things and the kinds of answers that a student union president can provide to a university when they're looking how to, how to best trim the fat on their own institution. 
Okay, thank you so much. Um, now for Akanksha. Um, so you mentioned in your platform um, that you're looking to a sustainable future for students and that you want to advocate for an affordable education by implementing needs-based SU awards. So what will needs-based awards granting committees or panels consider when choosing students who win these awards? Uh, so yeah, thank you for the question. One of the three things I outlined is actually, uh, one of them is the Student Union Needs Based Awards. And so the way I think that's going to work is currently uh, the Vice President Academic is a president of the Student Student Charity called the Student Enhancement Endowment Fund, or the Student Enhancement Initiatives Fund. Um, so I think going forward, what we do right now is we invest in that um, in, into SEEF. We skim the interest and our tenants create awards, we create awards, and we give them to the students who are very involved, who have 4.0s. And I was never that student in my first year. I didn't have a 4.0. I was still figuring out how to get involved. I wanted to do it and I was trying. And so when you're creating needs-based awards, I think we have to ensure that we're looking out for students who really need the support on campus, whether they're international students who are working three to four jobs just to make ends meet, whether they're students who are living away from home for the first time and are unable to access awards. I think it's about time that the Students' Union looks out for those students who are probably most vulnerable and the students right now who are the most disenfranchised from our students union because we don't provide value for them because things like mental health concerns are important to them but the number one barrier that they face to education is cost and so if the students union right now can create a more set of needs-based uh, awards whether that be um, skimming more interest whether that be finding more granting from other models whether that be fundraising or whether that be just recreating some of the current awards that we give away I think 100% we have to start looking into how we can support students on our campus who previously have never been supported by the Students' Union. Okay, great. Thank you so much. So before we move into both of you asking each other questions, I just want to ask one more general uh, question, less specific about the university, but more for listeners who aren't sure about your specific leadership experience. Both of you have extensive leadership experience on campus as executives, VP Academic for you, Kanksha, VP Student Life for you, Andre. And um, what do you think makes um, you the best leader for students on campus? We'll start with Akanksha. Uh, what I think sets my leadership qualities apart is that I've been involved on campus since my first year on campus because I saw that there were flaws in the system that I didn't really know how to fix. And so I always saw myself as a behind the scenes kind of person. And when I started telling people my ideas, they were like, you need to run on those ideas. And I was like, no, like I'm like I'm not qualified enough to make these decisions and it took me a long time to come into my own power and understand that I am very qualified and I do have qualifications that will make me a strong VP academic so whether it was getting involved in elections supporting candidates recreating the way that the Faculty of Arts uh, does their elections making sure that uh, we have students on campus who are able to get involved in research initiatives through the Alberta Public Interest Research Group, uh, whether it be pushing myself to find opportunities that really challenge me as a person. And I think most recently as VP Academic, I've had a really successful year, whether I'm saving students dollars in the classrooms through removing eye clickers, whether I'm encouraging students to get involved through being the only person who's involved in stride um, and making sure that really the student student president has a reliable background, so I've been very consistent in the way that I've advocated for students, and I've tweaked and uh, tweaked the way that I 
uh, interact with leadership because I think it's important that you're understanding the, the context that you surround yourself in. So whether that be reliability or whether that be just like knowing that if the issue is coming up on the table, I've never stayed silent. And I think it's important that going forward that we have a president that when you're not at the table talking to government, when you're you know in class doing your best on an exam, that you know that there's someone out there who's truly going to represent you, who's truly going to speak on your behalf. And whether or not you know that those benefits will reach you now or whether they'll reach you in a couple of years, that at least you know that the current president uh, will be able to make some changes for you that you'll have an impact with. And Andre? Um, yeah, so I think the, the the leadership experience that I've had really stems from internally within the students' union. So I've served at all of the levels of the students' union, whether that be as a junior volunteer, I, I mean, even going back to participant, but participant, junior volunteer, senior volunteer. I've worked with the students' union in their venues and uh, operations teams. And I think that that knowledge and that experience, you know, working with students in every faculty, helping to mentor them to be leaders on campus, for themselves, that experience really brings a lot, especially in a kind of year when we have, uh, you know, things happening out in Ontario where they're making cuts to the students' unions, limiting the ability of the students to act in their best interest, preserving the uh, integrity of the students' union here depends on having a president with the knowledge, with the experience to make sure that the most integral parts of our students' union, the things that we offer to students, the things that mean most to them can be saved, that we're finding ways to mobilize students and student leaders to secure more revenue sources for the students union so that if our ability to generate money from fees is taken away that we can find a way to address that finding ways to give power back to students because I've been working with them so long I know what they're capable of I know the kinds of ways that you can lead and mentor and foster a team I want to bring that to the executive team but also to students council because I feel as though students council has been quite limited in their ability to actually reach and engage with their students it's what we heard from students counselors this year and really it's what I bring to the table. Great, thank you so much. If you're tuning in just now, you're listening to CJSR 88.5 FM. I'm Omar Salafu, the editor-in-chief of The Gateway. I'm joined today by Andre and Akengsha, two presidential candidates for the University of Alberta Students' Union election. If you're an undergraduate student here on campus, you have the chance to vote this Wednesday and Thursday. That's March 6th and 7th. Voting will be online through the Students' Union website. And uh, right now, yeah, we're doing a debate between the two presidential candidates. And um, we're going to move into a portion where candidates will get a chance to ask each other questions. So how this will work is that you both have uh, two minutes to ask your question. The other candidate will have two minutes to respond, and then you'll have another two minutes to kind of give a rebuttal to their response. So why don't we start with Kingsha asking Andre a question, and then um, we'll do the kind of back and forth that way. Um, so I guess the question I have, Andre, for you is you talk a lot about students' council and uh, getting getting them more swag or more merchandise or empowering them through whatever means. But at the end of the day, Students' Council is our quote-unquote board of directors. So it seems interesting to me that a presidential candidate would talk about how to fix their board of directors or give them incentives, like, I'll give you more merch if you, like, you know, vote in alignment with what the executives want. So can you explain to me, I guess, like, what you think a good relationship between the executive uh, executive committee and Students' Council looks like to you? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so the the reasons I put those things in my platform is because they're things that I heard directly from students council. And it's not like I'm uh, wanting to come into this role and unilaterally or, or make broad strokes to impose my vision on students council. No, these ideas came from counselors themselves. And that's why I identify in my platform, I want to work with the council administration committee to you know increase their budget because that's the budget that students counselors have control over. So when they're using those funds, those were just things that I had heard from counselor. They want better swag. They don't want uh, to to be limited in their abilities to do their own advocacy. It's why the students counselors are the board of directors of the executive. They do call the shots and they shouldn't have to come to the executives begging for more money every year when they're just trying to do their job. Um, those are the kinds of changes. But specifically, the relationship I also think between council and the executive needs to be that the executive can serve as an intermediary between council and discover governance. And why I say that is because there's often a, a, a disconnect between discover governance, which is our office, which has students union staff members that support both the executives and students counselors. But what we hear is that they hear the executive concerns better than they hear the concerns of student council. And I want to work closely with the staff that I've been working with for years to make sure that students counselors are being supported their best. Now, that's what I want to do for students council is be that voice for the staff which is the the dotted line there between the president and the general manager and all of the staff uh, that work for the students union thanks and Akanksha, you can rebuttal to what Andre just said. Uh, cool. So I think going forward, we have to recognize that with Bill 19, new legislation coming forward, that Students' Council is about to get a lot of power regarding uh, exceptional tuition increases. And so I think right now, a great relationship between executive and Students' Council needs to look like way more exec accountability. Um, I don't think swag is the right answer and also empowering our students council. So exec accountability is important because at the end of the day, we are the executives that are able to go out and make a lot of the changes that council wants us to do. And going forward this year, I was really able to give several presentations about uh, products I'm working on, whether that be consistent updates on projects like GovWeek, projects like the academic advising survey. And not once this year was um, did I ever hand in a report late to council. So reports are when counselors are able to look back and reflect on the work that we've done but Andre this year three of yours are missing from the website you've submitted several late and I would argue that posting on Facebook or posting on social media is a great way for people outside of council to be able to read these reports or to keep up with your projects and so um, this year you've only posted on Facebook 10 times on your official page and um, counselors were unable to find reports about projects that you've been working on and when you come to talk about swag I think this year this issue was actually addressed through the um, approval approval of the 2019-2020 budget principles where we see a specific line talking about how Students Council has asked for things like more merchandise, whether it be business cards or uh, better jackets or pamphlets to give to their students. And so this goal is going to be done regardless of you being elected or not. And the last thing I think is empowering, right? So Students Council right now is about to get a lot of power in terms of making decisions and they need to know that this power is theirs to utilize. And when you do get a lot of power, you also, with that comes a lot of privilege. And I think training is enough. Training is something, but it's definitely not That's all nice. that council needs. And so we need to make sure that council feels empowered um, through updated training, but also through updating the way that people can interact with debates through updating standing orders. And uh, Andre, now's your chance to ans ask Akanksha a question, and then she'll have a chance to answer, and then you can rebuttal. Great. Um, thank you. Yeah, so... 
Um, we heard a lot from Students Council about transparency and accountability, uh, things for the entire executive. Uh, and my question is just, how will you ensure broadly, not only that the executive team and our students council are being effective and transparent, but when we're being judged by the entire government, what, how, what steps will you take to make sure that our students union is being responsible and transparent, both with student fees, governance, and operations? Anna Kangsha, whenever you're ready. Um, so I think in terms of being transparent, not only to council, but to the entire community, um, we're looking at the students who are most looking up to us. So right now, that's our faculty associations, department associations, and our residence associations. So something we do for council, as you mentioned, is write reports. Um, this year, we sent a lot of our reports to our FAs being like, hi, here are the major updates. I think going forward, those that is a very specific and a very tangible thing that we can start doing to our presidents, right? We send it to council. We may as well send to them as well. I think organizationally, this this year I helped revamp the Students Union annual survey so going forward we're going to see a full report come out of that whether that be an evaluation of our businesses our bars our services and lastly the executive consistently put out a midterm evaluations goal so we have our goals document which we go through uh, figure out where what we've done what we haven't done and things that we can improve on so uh, this year going forward, uh, we've wrote one, we've published it, and now uh, going forward there's accountability measures in that for uh, executives who are currently still in the role to be uh, achieving those goals before the end of the year comes out. Okay, Andre, now your chance to rebuttal to that point. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I saw a couple of things that we can actually do this year to make the Students' Union transparent. And I looked at other agencies that are really required to be fully 100% transparent, specifically the Harvard Students' Union uh, and the Stollery Children's Hospital here in, uh, here in Edmonton. And... Uh, the, the things that came out of that were Harvard Students Union publishes not only an executive midterm report, but they post progress updates on all of the things they do because we can't expect students at the university to care about the Students Union. I mean, we only have 28% uh, voter turnout every year, and we can't expect students to care about what we do here if they don't know what we're up to. And that means looking beyond, I mean, my social media page on Facebook has like 200 hyper-engaged students. Like, we have 350 staff, Department of Marketing and Communication, those are the people who should be getting the messages of the students union out not just like five executives sitting and, and and tweeting or posting on their Instagram so those are the ways I think we best engage students those however I think that we're most accountable and transparent and what the Stollery Children Hospital does for all of their things is they actually tell you figures about how many people they engaged how much value they provided how many dollars they saved their students and we have things that save students hundreds of thousands of dollars I mean if you look at the uh, intrauterine device that you can get from the University Health Center, you save 80% on that. We should be recording that data, relaying that back to students so that they know where their value comes from the Students' Union, and they know how they can continue to hold their executives and their entire Students' Union more accountable. Okay, thank you so much, Audrey. Um, so one question before we return to both of you asking each other questions. Um, you mentioned in your kind of talk there that 
students' union elections have 25% voter turnout. We see kind of a buffer between 20% and 25% of students vote in SU elections. And uh, something that's been brought up on the campaign trail by you, especially Kengsha, is that the students' union uh, UPass has uh, almost a 90% pickup rate. So 90% of students go to a students' union infolink booth and pick up a sticker from the students' union that provides them a service that saves them hundreds of dollars every year. Why do both of you think that students don't see the value in the students' union enough to go vote every year in elections? We'll start with you, Akanksha. Yeah, so I will challenge you just a little bit about the fact that students necessarily aren't fully engaged in our elections process. If we compare us to the town of Olds, the same population at the University of Alberta, 30,000 students, for their mayoral elections, they get significantly less turnout, whether it be 10%, 8%. And so I think students on our campus are heavily engaged in our elections. I know that um, there's a space, there's a buffer from 20 to 30%. And I think obviously there is a lot more room for improvement. Hitting that 100% voter turnout is obviously the most ideal, but like most important goal and I think like to say that students aren't engaged I think does a disservice to the 30 percent of students that are very engaged in our elections who are asking us questions who are tuning into this debate and I think going forward um, it's almost important that we sort of take the like moments that students are interacting with us such as the UPass right so they must see a value in the UPass that they don't that they don't see in voting and I think that's okay in that we address issues like that whether we're you know giving them a pamphlet when they're leaving the UPass whether we're giving them a free coffee whether we're putting up marketing signs that actually make sense to them, that show them the value of things. I think we just have to simply understand that there are some students who will never care about the fact that the Students' Union has a peer support centre, but they care very heavily about the fact that we subsidize their transportation or that we provide them with the best happy hours in the city, for example, right? So I think whatever it is that students want to engage in, we should encourage them to get engaged in that. And if, you know, voting is not one of those things, um, that's okay. But because in any other way, I think like if students are okay with seeing uh, more supports on campus in other ways I think that's important so ideally I think yeah 100% voter turnout is where it is but like as a student I think it's like it's almost detrimental to the students who are voting by being like student council isn't engaged or students aren't engaged because they're not voting so yeah and Andre yeah I, I want to push back on that a little bit because I think that when you compare the students at the University of Alberta to the citizens of Olds, it's clear that the more politically minded group is going to be likely the students who are studying at a post-secondary institution. And I think that we're doing a disservice to the students by telling them, oh, you're doing such a great job, you're getting so involved, uh, when we see really only the, the people that are mega involved in student politics are the people that are in the Faculty of Arts. They're the people that are studying political science. We don't have engineering student executives. We don't have executives coming or, or representation from all of the faculties on campus. And certainly, I think that we are, we are doing a disservice to the students in those faculties who don't feel like they have a voice, who don't feel like they're being represented. Because I, when I go out on the campaign trail and I'm doing classroom talks, students are, are laughing in their seats because they think that this is political. It's step one in political boot camp. It's step one on your path to become prime minister. And they don't realize that really what we're doing is we're providing value to students because we're here to serve students, not here to ad advance our, our political careers. And I think that we need to do a better job at creating space for all of the students from all of the faculties to get involved. And I think that logically, you'll see an increase in student engagement with the Students' Union when students feel as though they're represented by their Students' Union and their faculty association. Like, the Engineering Student Society does a great job of engaging with their students. The SU needs to 
match that level of engagement, if not exceed the level of engagement that we see from their faculty. Okay. Um, if you're tuning in just now, you're listening to CJSR 88.5 FM. I'm Omar Salafu, the editor-in-chief of The Gateway, the Student Journalism Society at the University of Alberta. I'm joined today by Kangsha and Andre, the two presidential candidates for the Students' Union elections. If you're a student, again, I'll repeat this. This is my third time saying this. It's really important. Get out and vote Wednesday and Thursday. If you feel like these issues will impact your life in any way, shape, or form, March 7th, 6th and 7th is your chance to get your say out there. So we'll go back to candidates asking each other questions. So I'll get Andre to give your question to Akenksha. Oh, another question. Oh, yeah, um, another question. Great, yeah. Um, so I was taking a look through your platform and I saw that you want to bring free menstrual products to campus, which is something that I have been actively pursuing. Working with students this year should be completed by the end of the VP student life term. I'm just wondering why you included that in your platform. Cool. Yeah, whenever you're ready, Ankangsha. Thank you. So that was actually never something that you ran on and in fact was a project of the Peter Lougheed Leadership College Forum 1A. So a lot of the four people in that forum are uh, not only personal friends of mine, but classmates of mine in the current college. And uh, what they've told me is that the file isn't moving forward. And um, I think it's interesting that you say that it'll get completed by the end of your term because one, uh, where is the funding coming from? Uh, two, uh, we spend about three hours every week in executive committee meetings where you're expected to update us on the portfolio and going forward, you have yet to talk to both female people, uh, Emma Ripka and myself, about this issue. And I would argue that menstrual products very heavily affects my life and very heavily affects Emma's life. And I think, you know, if you are, quote unquote, 60% done this project, as you'd say, um, I'm, that's shocking to me because that's not something that you've ever told anybody. So if you are working on these projects yourself, that's interesting. But uh, you talk a lot about the fact that we should be consulting students and that's undergraduate students know their rights best and undergraduate graduate students know their needs best, but I think I know my needs best, and when I need a pad or a tampon on campus, I haven't been able to find one, and the fact that you're almost done that goal is not something that I've ever heard you talk about, and not something that had been reflected to me by women on this campus, by the students who are in the Peter Lougheed College that proposed this proposal to you, um, and also I just did not know that there's something that you were working on, so. Okay, Andre, two minutes to respond to that. Great. Yeah, so I've actually worked with those students from the Peter Lougheed College, and uh, in several of my council reports, you can actually see that this is something that I was uh, working on, so I'm a little unclear as to why you weren't aware of that, and when I brought it up in executive committee. Um, I'm actually awaiting an email, which I haven't been able to log into my students' union email, from John Benson, the manager of facilities and operations uh, on campus, who's going to be telling us which spaces that we can actually install the dispensers. And when you say, where's the money coming from? Uh, well, we've been in talks with the sponsorship manager at the Students' Union to secure funding for those uh, tampons because tens of thousands of tampons uh, are already donated to the university every year, but they sit in boxes in the campus food bank, uh, not getting distributed to the students who need them most. So th this is actually something that can be achieved at zero cost to students through sponsorship, um, rather than, you know, hoping that the university is going to, you know, act on this and start spending money on tampons. So I think that we've got a pretty good grasp on the situation. The students at PLH or PLLC did a wonderful job with their research and it's clear that this is something that students want and is going to bring value to their life. Okay, uh, Akeksha, your chance to ask Andre a question. 
Cool. Um, so I've heard uh, from posters around this campus that Jason Kenny is coming to campus this week. I'm not sure if that's going to actually happen, but uh, Andre, you often talk about the biggest mistake of the team this year not being things that you've missed, but the fact that Reed Larson, our current president, uh, took a picture with a politician named Carrie Diot. Um, it's quite evident that uh, this is something that you were pretty pissed off about. And I think uh, going forward, would you actually attend an event where a potential premier would be at, or would you not attend an event that Jason Kenney was at if you don't agree with the political leader? Andre? Uh, would I attend a political event with a leader? Absolutely. Uh, I think that that is 100% expected. Uh, what I think that I wouldn't do is if there is a politician out there who espouses uh, views that are hateful, uh, hateful rhetoric that does not represent the interests of the students, then no, I would not take a photo with that politician and post it because I don't think that is what represents students best. Um, yeah, thanks. And Akanksha, you can respond to that? So <clears throat> I think that as president, you have a responsibility to every student to represent all of their interests. You know, whether those interests agree with yours or not, it is your responsibility at the end of the day to represent 30,000 people. And so, uh, yeah, I would go to an event where a potential premier would be at. And uh, Andre, you really you talk a lot about accountability and you often say, you know, I want to update people. I want to make sure that people are accountable. We want to see how many people are engaging with us. But if you are to have these meetings with people that necessarily don't agree with your personal political values or the political values of a lot of students on campus, how are you going to like tell these students that you've met with these leaders and how are these leaders going to find value? So you talk a lot about relationship building with governments and in a time with a provincial and federal election coming forward, it is more important now than ever to make post-secondary education a ballot box issue, right? We have the time right now to make these issues a priority and a focus. And if you're meeting with politicians and not, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt that you've listened to them or they've listened to you, those meetings will stop occurring, right? And I think there are certain leaders that we shouldn't be meeting with. And both the Federal Association, like Canadian Association, the the Federal uh, Advocacy Group and our Provincial Advocacy Groups um, have lists of private politicians that necessarily don't reflect student needs and I think that's okay but you know I think at the end of the day a president has to represent 30,000 people and you also have to represent them in a way that is holding both government and students accountable uh, specifically you as the president so okay so um, we're, we're getting down to the last 15 minutes of this debate um, I'm going to re- reiterate the last 10 minutes we've kind of reserved for anyone who wants to ask a question to these two candidates if you're a student at the University of Alberta if you've been listening to this program or you just tuned in we have a Kanksha and Andre here two students union presidential candidates for this election at the University of Alberta if you have a question you want to ask the candidates you can go to our Facebook page it's the gateway the very first post references this radio debate and you can comment a question and I will ask that for the last 10 minutes of the debate but my last question um, unless we don't get any comments on our Facebook page is referring to the um, provincial election Um, there's been a lot of talk about uh, voluntary student unionism Um, so this is a two-part question do you think the UCP if elected as a majority government will enact a policy to create voluntary student unionism and if they do what is your plan to sustain the students union on campus we'll start with Andre can you just repeat the question, Omar? Um, so it's a two-part question. If, do, if the UCP is elected as a majority government, um, do you think they will enact a policy to create voluntary student unionism? And if they do, what is your plan to sustain the students' union on campus? 
Um, okay, do I think they will enact it as a policy? I'm not sure. Um, I, I really can't say one way or another whether or not they will 100% enact voluntary students' unionism, but what we can do to prepare and what we can do specifically to make sure that we can weather such a storm if it happened, A, if they pursue VSU, it has to be opt out rather than opt in because when they pursued this in Australia students were given the option of uh, opting into your student union membership so you get a little button and it's a tick box yes I want to pay more money uh, we want to have a system like with residence associations like with many of the other fees that you pay on campus where you can opt out after the fact so that would do uh, a lot to help protect us uh, second making sure that when the government comes knocking and they're asking us how responsible are you being do uh, do we are we able to prove it in a way that is clear concise and demonstrates that we are actually saving them more money by existing than by not existing because I think that if the government instigates voluntary students unionism there is a threat or, or, or if they come and they, and they ask us, there's an opportunity for us there to say, well, actually, you're going to lose X, Y, and Z. And then three years later, we're going to come back and we're going to have a bigger ass in you. And you're actually going to be in a deeper hole than when you started because you lost the student voice and you lost the services that are now in a state of disrepair and need uh, critical investment. The third way is just to find alternate revenue sources for the students union. So we have some really great investments and advancements happening in tech right now. So some really great uh, deve developments in conferencing and event services. And I think that if we capitalize on those business opportunities, it will not only create more jobs for students on our campus, but also a way for the Students Union to help other Students Unions benefit from our revenue sources. Okay, and uh, Kangsha? Uh, so going forward, I think it's important when the conversation around VSUs or voluntary studentism is happening that we assume uh, the absolute worst so that we can prepare for the absolute worst. So yes, I do think that if a government was uh, elected, that theoretically that this could be a possibility. And I think we haven't, we need to address it in a way that is proactive rather than waiting for them to enact this and then not being part of the conversation. So a three-pronged approach, three-pronged approach, I'm making sure that we're, um, you know, going to be successful if these things are enacted is one like making sure that students know what the value of the SU is we touched on it before where our voter turnout is around 25 percent that students pick up the U pass at 90 percent that students are engaging in the SU in their own unique ways and we should be capitalizing on those moments right whether we're having conversations whether we're changing our marketing uh, this year we launched the quote-unquote this is your SU campaign and I think iterations of that are really important and ensuring that students not only see the value but understand the fact that if we lose our fees that every association on this campus will also lose their fees and there are detrimental effects to that and the second thing is uh, finding ways that we can generate revenue I'm not going to repeat the things that Andre said because he's 100% correct that you know we have a lot of viable businesses and services and the University of Calgary right now is only 8% dependent on their fees and right now the University of Alberta is about 25% so we need to be finding ways that we can increase to being the way that UFC is and lastly we definitely need to be having these conversations up front and first 
And so we saw in Ontario when this sort of legislation was enacted that student associations were shocked, that they had no idea this was coming, and it almost came to them as somewhat of a surprise because their politicians weren't having conversations with them about these things. So the number one thing a president has to be is instead of waiting for these conversations to happen is make them happen yourself, right? Making sure that you're talking to politicians about our value and making sure that, you know, you're uh, finding ways to support students and, you know, give them the value of what student associations across Alberta offer. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go into something that was a little bit more specific um, on the campaign trail. Um, and um, it's, Andre, when we were at the Campus Saint-Jean, you mentioned that you wanted to cut the uh, students who study at the French campus at the University of Alberta's fees. Um, and did this idea come from consultation um, from uh, CSJ students? And then, Akanksha, I'll have another question for you after that. Um, yes, you'll get a chance to basically answer um, that question. Cool. Um, yeah, so this actually came out of during the campaign. I was talking to students from Campus Saint-Jean, and they were mentioning to me, I said, hey, Kay, here's what we've come up with so far when working with the students here. You know, I worked with VP Brown a lot this year, and we worked a lot on Campus Saint-Jean. What they said is, you know, it really sucks how the French-only speakers, the people that I can't talk to because I don't speak French, are not getting the same kind of value out of SU membership that are the bilingual speakers at Campus Saint-Jean. And from there, it, it, it logically followed that, yeah, students at CSJ do pay for some level of service that is only available in English. And whether or not you're a bilingual or French-only speaker, that is a, that, that's an inequity that has to be addressed at some capacity. And when we are able to provide services at CSJ that are at the level that they are on North Campus and when they are available in, in French first, then we can talk about balancing the scales there. And I know that a lot of the money that comes from CSJ uh, students goes back to their faculty association, but I also know 100% that the students at CSJ are not getting 100% value out of their students' fee because they're paying for things that aren't accessible to them. And uh, so for you, Akanksha, what do you think of this idea and do you have a general rebuttal to it? Um, I am going to say I think my understanding and the ways that fees are assessed are very different than Andre's right now. Uh, one of his main assumptions was that Augustana pays reduced fees and from my research and from talking to students there for months and for years is they actually don't. They pay a full students union fee. They pay actually an additional fee called their faculty association membership fee. So they pay $65 plus the students union fee. Currently CSJ students are paying less than Augustana. So fundamentally I think that concept is very flawed and also uh, in my mind an incorrect understanding of the bylaws and an incorrect understanding of fee assessments and going forward I think um, the argument that is the argument that is uh, you know if you don't get value out of your fees that we should cut them is exactly the sort of ammunition that our political leaders don't need right now you know as students union presidents we should be looking to the sustainability and viability of our services and finding ways like yes some of our goals are idealistic but that's what we should be doing is making sure every student on this campus has access to things every student has access to supports and if the funding isn't there or you know if students feel like they're not reaching that support that just shows a need 
need for us to be able to fight harder for them, you know, to be able to encourage students from those campuses to run. But I think it's a very slippery slope to be saying that we should be cutting fees from students who don't see value because in my first year, I saw no value in the students' union. It took me a while to understand that international students often cite us not doing work for them because international student tuition is continuing to rise. And so um, as students' union presidents, again, we should be looking at the viability of our communities. And I think the argument of just cutting fees from a campus is uh, a cop-out. And I think there's other ways that we can support students on campus, whether it be things like more needs-based awards, whether it be things like, you know, continuing to advocate for academic, relevant and affordable education, or whether it be, you know, talking to students about getting more jobs on their campus. But overall, I don't necessarily agree with the fact that cutting CSJ fees is the best way to go forward. Okay, so we have an audience question here from Nathan Sunday. So what he's asking here is, um, last year, the United Conservative Party released a policy declaration. Part of its declaration includes what is known as voluntary student unionism. Proponents of this argument, um, uh, proponents argue that this mandatory student unionism being forced to Sorry, I think I'm reading this wrong. Proponents of this argue that mandatory student unionism being forced to pay students union fees contravenes Article 20 of the United Nations Universal Declaration on Human Rights, which states no one may be compelled to belong to an association. As presidents, how, do you, how would you respond to this and the supposed limiting of students' human rights? We'll start with Andre. Um... Yeah, so thank you for the question, Nathan. So I have never, uh, well, I've, I've read the Declaration of Rights, but I'm not 100% familiar with that specific provision in the, in the Charter or in the Declaration of Human Rights. But I think when I talk about making sure that students are getting the most value, and when I talk about cutting a fee, for example, to CSJ, I'm not trying to give more ammunition to a, a potential UCP government who might want VSU. I'm trying to take away the fuel, because if those students come to the government at the same time as the student executives, they far outnumber us when they when they tell us that they're not getting value. So we need to make sure that we're ironclad, that we're rock solid, that we can demonstrate that nobody is paying for anything that they don't get value out of. That's why I believe so strongly in producing those reports that clearly and 100% identify how responsible we're being, what value students get, and making sure that nobody on our campus is underserved by their students' union. So I think that uh, if anything, yeah, voluntary students' unionism is a reminder for the executives that we need to light a fire uh, uh, under our uh, under our shoes, I guess, because I can't swear on the air, uh, to make sure that we're picking up the slack and, and giving the most to students. Akanksha? Uh, so I very strongly believe that voluntary student unionism will have intergenerational consequences through the loss of student voices, lost jobs on campus, and a student body that specifically spends less time on campus. And proponents of this argument have not really thoroughly considered the intergenerational outcome that this sort of legislation will have. And uh, yeah, I think the concepts regarding freedom of association are very important. And I think students should have avenues to be able to criticize the students' union better, right? So right now, the one place that they can 
do that is perhaps through uh, forums and elections. Perhaps that's through emailing your representatives, very similar to how you would email your MLAs or MPs. And, you know, I think perhaps there's a way for us to actually find people who are critical and provide them a way that they can do this. So I really want to look towards the Students Union website revamp and find ways that we can create a feedback form. We have one right now that's an anonymous feedback form or one that you can leave an email at, but I think we don't really solicit the feedback of students. Um, we see on platforms like Reddit or Facebook that there's a lot of students who have a lot of concerns, and I think it is until a lot of those concerns are brought forward to us that we actually knew there were, were issues. So uh, in my first year, I didn't know that there were Students Union Awards, for example, right? So someone brought that issue forward to me, and I was like, wow, that is something that I had no idea was it value added. And so going forward, I think people who want to be able to criticize the students union have 100% the right to and we should actively be giving them a platform to be providing constructive feedback and we should actively be finding ways to respond to them in a way that you know incentivizes them to understand that this is their students union at the end of the day they do have a really large impact in the advocacy changes we make but VSUs will thoroughly wreck students unions across this province if we don't take a targeted approach at combating this sort of issue. Okay, so we're reaching the end of our time here. I'm going to close off today's debate by just giving both of you an opportunity to give like a lightning round. 30 seconds, why do you think students should vote for you on March 6th and 7th? We'll start with Akanksha. Uh, students should vote for me because I'm an authentic leader, I'm an experienced leader, and throughout this debate you saw me giving answers that really are answers that presidents should be giving. At the end of the day, students every day are making choices. You know, you're making the choice to get up and go to class, you're making the choice to pass your exams, you're making the choice to hang out with your friends, and on March 7th you're ultimately going to be making a really important decision on voting for a president that's going to lead the students' union through organizational changes, through a really murky political thing. So thank you. Andre? Um, So I'll say the same thing for the folks on air who weren't available to make it to the forum today. I'm asking students to trust me with their vote because I know the Students' Union best. I know how to mobilize students. I've worked. I've led students. I've led the Students' Union. And I've seen how we can best use our resources to create the best changes that affect the most students. Thanks. Okay, thank you.